today's program made possible by patrons like you. Welcome to where we celebrate music from the movies. From the golden age to present day, we've got it all covered. We talk to those in the entertainment industry and find out about their favorite scores. You found the podcast, What's the Score? I'm your host, Frank R. Wilson. So sit back, relax, grab a popcorn, and let's see what we'll be hearing today. Recognize that music? You might. It it sounds familiar, but instead of a soundtrack, it it sounds like a live performance. Have you ever wanted to hear your favorite film scores performed live? Well, we might have something for you that'll be just like that. Our, our guest has been with us before. He's an accomplished musician that has wanted to celebrate the music of the James Bond films. So he started a band called Cue the Music. Now, with this COVID thing that's been going around, it's unfortunately stopping any live performances. And our guest decided to act and creatively created, well, what do I say? Concerts on demand. Now, you may not be able to attend a concert in person, but our guest has solved that. And you'll find out more as we continue the program today. Please join me in welcoming our special guest, Warren Ringham. Warren, how you doing? Hi, Frank. Yes, pretty good today. Thank you. Not bad at all. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. And I'm excited to talk with you because I'm I'm over the moon about, about what you've done here and, and wanting to learn more about it and also give our listeners a little, a little taste of what it is that you've done. Um, instead of sharing, you know, like your favorite film scores and those sorts of things, we're going to really talk about just this project that you've done uh, with your band Cue the Music. And uh, because of the restrictions that have been placed basically worldwide when it comes to live performances and those sorts of things, it's, you really came up with, I, I applaud you, you came up with a really creative idea that uh, where everybody wins, the musicians win and, and also the fans win. So I'm really curious, share with us a little bit about how did this idea come about of you, you know, wanting to do this? I'd really like to understand that because it's a big project. Yeah, well, in, in a way, it sort of comes from before any of this stuff happened because um, part of the, the thing that Key the Music does and, and the fans appreciate is the fact that we do 
not just Bond songs. We do cues from the films, all sorts of Barry cues, Arnold cues, and even even yes. from films like Live and Let Die, If Your Eyes Only, and the other composers from the series. And we've done quite a few of those over the past sort of four or five years, more and more of those. And that's something that's sort of got quite a lot of interest from the real hardcore Barry and Bond fans. It's something that people really, you know, want to hear us do. So I've been sort of working towards on this year's tour of about 30 theatre shows that we had planned. It was our largest ever tour in 2020. I'd lined up to hopefully record around about two new cues on every concert that we perform and I'd record them live and then I'd release them out to our followers, to our fans um, and sort of build up a really big repertoire and library of, of cues from the films. Well, of course, a couple of things happened when uh, when the pandemic hit that not only was our entire tour wiped out, but then that whole idea um, had kind of, kind of fell by the wayside. But almost immediately once we were locked down, I started to realise that that not only would I be able to sort of get a, a bounce-back loan from the government to fund... Uh, something like this but I also realized there was going to be this period where we were kind of zigzagging out of uh, lockdown where you know that you wouldn't be allowed to have a lot of people in the theater to watch a performance but you'd probably be able to go into a theater to record a performance and people were doing a lot of online things like these these kind of um, multi-cam you know grid type videos and people were asking me oh cue the music to one of these and it just didn't interest me at all because all we'd have really been doing is put out, putting out sort of poorer versions of what we've already got out there, and to do like an like an orchestral score, you know, with with twenty people in it, you know, just that again, you, you could spend two or three weeks just putting out one two or three minute track, and 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 the thing with cue the music is that the energy and the passion and the and the adrenaline rush and everything that that comes from what we do is about us being in the room together, you know, we we really vibe off each other and there's 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 just a, an energy that comes from being in the same room that that we wouldn't get doing it like that so really from and, the word go I'm, and you know the, the 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 i'm sorry go ahead no no go go for it no i was going to say that um uh, and that comes through what you're talking about that passion and the energy and the the connection with one another in the band it it, it comes through not only in terms of the performance, the audio, but uh, fortunately, because of what you've done, you you see it in the video too. It's uh, it's great to witness. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, and the, the thing is, we were four days of recording, and we did a hundred cues and songs from the films over the course of four days, which is just a monumental wow. um, achievement. But also, you know, go, going into it, it was yeah, it was ambitious to say the least, and and I think quite a few people in the band didn't think we'd put it off but i i knew that we could um but yeah it was it was so enjoyable and everybody was absolutely buzzing over the four days because we had a a really really good method you know we, we obviously a lot of the cues that we'd done before or songs that we'd done before they went down very quickly and all the new ones it was just a case of everybody done their homework everybody knew the cues knew how they're supposed to go superb musicians capable of playing under you know the red light as they say um and so we were quite often what we were doing is we were doing the first take as just a really kind of familiarization and then the second you know 
sort out sort out a few little bits, anything that kind of just needed tweaking. Right. And the second take was right. Let's go um, and do it. And sometimes we, we might need a third or even a fourth. I mean, some of the tracks were really tricky and took a you know took a few goes to iron things out. And in fact, some of the tracks we had to kind of go away, have a cup of coffee, look at it again, break it down, and then and then put it back together. And um, but over the course of the four days, it was an incredibly fun process to 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 be part of. And I mean, I just wasn't sleeping the nights in between. It was so much fun. I was waking up, you know, we were going into the theatre for sort of eight o'clock in the morning and I was waking up about five o'clock, you know, eyes wide open, just itching to get going again, you know. Ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's let's have people kind of get a sense of this uh, right from the beginning. Uh, There's a great cue that you chose here that you uh, sent to me and it's, it's always one of my favorites anyway. And this is, from one of my favorite scores, it happens to be as well. This is from Diamonds Are Forever. The cue is called 007 and Counting. Uh, was was this tough for the guys to uh, to to grasp and get it working? Because I mean, you had to, you know, you, it seems to me you had some new people in this uh, band as well that you don't typically have. So I mean, some new people coming in was this tough to to correct and or to get it out there and play it? Um. Well. Well, first of all, with with Gus, because a, a few people that have watched the videos have asked me that, but I think the thing is with Cue the Music, because of the level of musicians that I use, you know, they really are top end professionals. We have a really large pool of players that know the set and come in and play it, and it has to be like that because if I tried to rely on the same fifteen people, twenty people every single time, the band just would never work because people are off, you know, mm. off tours or, or whatever. So. Actually, there's very few of that band that were playing on that on this recording that, that haven't worked with the band before. It's just that pro- probably you and other people maybe haven't seen them on the other videos um, that, that we've done. So, yeah, the, the guys were all fairly familiar with the setup and, and each other. That really wasn't a problem. But as for this particular track, it wasn't one that was such sort of caused a lot of problems for us, but it was one that I picked to, to do today just because it was one of those ones that just blew me away in the room, you know, live. There was, there was a few like that, and there's a few of these that I've chosen today that just really took me by surprise how much I enjoyed performing them and, and actually being in the middle of that of that process and hearing the yeah. sound, you know, kind of wrapping around you. And, I mean, you know, Barry <laughs> is just a genius, but this one's got those sort of really lush ninth chords of, of John Barry, those jazz chords, and... Um, lush strings. It's just got everything. This track, and and I've always been an, a it, you know a fan of it, appreciative of it. But actually, getting to be in the midst of it was uh, you know another experience altogether. Yeah, folks, you, you can enjoy this as well as the rest of the cues we'll play today. It's it's um what I and we'll talk about it later. But we, what I find interesting is seeing it played live, so that you understand where all these sounds are coming from, what instruments and. And it, 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 you know, I'll just let I'll let the music speak for itself. You will find that this will be incredibly close, incredibly close to uh, what was played on the on the soundtrack. So sit back and enjoy. This is a cue called 007 and Counting." It's from the film "Diamonds Are Forever," and it's performed by the group. Cue the music.
Now, this is something I've been dying to ask you because I'd like to understand this and the the process that was involved with it. Now, I'm going to make a wild guess that the sheet music for these cues, I mean, maybe the sheet music for the songs, okay, that probably exists maybe, but the sheet music for all the, the cues and the incidental music and the scores, I'm guessing isn't wildly available. So I'm, you know, I'm dying to find out, you know, how did you figure out all, all the parts? I mean, you know, when you see it performed live and the way you edited the video, I mean, you start to under, I'm not a musician, but I, I can appreciate what it must have taken to, to, to get all those parts and, and put them down on paper on sheet music or on iPads, I guess, which you guys were using and uh, and bring that all together. I just found that absolutely fascinating. So I'd love to hear, you know, how how is it that you did that? I'm assuming by ear, but I mean, I'd love to hear the story behind it. Yeah, well, I have to say very uh, quickly up front that the process is the same for the songs as it is for the uh, cues. I mean, it, it, both. Oh. Yeah, it applies to both because yes, you're right. You can get lead sheets and you can get some arrangements out there with the Bond songs, but they're all a load of rubbish. You know, without really, <laughs> none of them are close to the original. And you know that they, that's I think what sets us apart is that I always say to people the the minutia of the detail that we go to in in cue the music is imperceptible to anybody watching. But mm. add all of that together, that's why you get the experience you do when listening to to that performance because you know we concentrate on. I mean, I, really, when I say we, I really mean that I'm a stickler for the detail. And, you know, there's never a point, there's never, ever a time in Cue the Music where we go, ah, that's, that's close enough. It's either right or it's not. And if it, sometimes we might make a tweak, and that's a creative decision. So I want to differentiate, differentiate between those. You know, there's, there's times when we've made, and you will notice it if you watch all of our performances, there's little little subtle differences here and there where we do that to kind of um, maybe heighten the performance or maybe make it more of an emotional connection or, or something along those lines. But when it comes to something like this, like that track, 007 and counting, the details are so, so important. So you can't you can't put a price on that really. It really does come down to um, a real passion and interest in that subject. Otherwise, you know, you, you couldn't you couldn't to a degree you couldn't really pay somebody to to do what we do because this just wouldn't be financially viable. You know, it's about the love. So, so but, but yeah, but what I'm curious about is that I mean, so did you? individually or maybe had people that helped you literally would sit down and listen to these cues and then just start transcribing it to sheet music, you know, for the flutes and for the horns and for the violins. And I mean, is it, was it that laborious, I guess? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do, I did all the songs and I've done quite a few of the cues. And then for this project, I brought somebody in to help me. Who's a phenomenal arranger called uh, Graham Taylor, who was actually in, he was playing one of the keyboard parts on the sessions. Um, And he's, I mean, he's actually probably even better at this than me. Well, no, not probably. He is better at it than me, but the main thing with him is that (laughs) he's just a lot faster than I am. So um, when I kind of sort of decided to do this project, we had to sort of, 
probably write 40 or 50 of the arrangements from scratch. And there was just no way in the time period we had that I was going to be able to do that. And then, of course, once the arrangements are written, we've then got to kind of work out how we're going to perform them and, and get the parts out to people and all of that stuff. So there was quite a, a sort of um, intensive admin process that I had to do as well. So um, bringing Graham in to sort of really take the strain of the arranging, especially at the speed that he could do it, uh, was was really fundamental. Um, I mean, like, for example, I did all the cues for the original On Imagine Secret Service medley. Um, and I did, I've done things like I did the View to a Kill medley and Living Daylights medley. I've done, there's quite a few um, cues that I did, but actually there's also a lot on this recording that, that Graham did. And I really couldn't have done it without him, but he has that attention to detail as well. And then even occasionally he, when he sent the arrangement to me, I found the old little thing that he'd missed and I just sort of tweaked it. But um, <laughs> he's, a, he's, a, he's a genius and uh you, you know that the two of us that's that's how we did it you're exactly right it's it i mean when i first started out doing this 16 years ago it was it was done off cds and you can imagine how laborious that could be because you know it's not oh, like yeah. now where you can use all this digital software to skip backwards or loop like one sec second or something in those days you know i had to skip back on the cd two seconds and you know, and, and do it again to hear it. It used to take so long to do that because if you went too far, you'd have to wait for it to play through a bit you'd already got. And, you know, if you if you accidentally press the button in the wrong way, you skip back to the start of the track and then you had to go all the way through <laughs> to find where you were. It used to be a horrendous process, but um, it's a lot faster now with the various bits of software out there. Now, it's, it's amazing how you've, with some exceptions, to be fair, but but it's amazing how often you you truly recreate the original sound. If that makes sense, what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to duplicate. It's hard to duplicate the sound from the Doctor No recording of the James Bond theme and the guitar. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. no one's been able to do that. And I don't know what was special about that recording, but it's just not, not going to happen. But Which for the most like part, it, like it's it. absolutely amazing. You guys really captured the original sound of most of these cues. It's just amazing. Yeah. Well, I think the some of the originals from back in the 60s, it's just down to the recording technique. And, you know, I've tried with the sound when I've mixed it, I've tried to, um, I've tried to sort of let the sound breathe the way that it did you know because with, particularly with the goldfinger soundtrack i've often said this on on chat shows and stuff that the the, the recording to me is almost distorting you know there's no compression put on and there's it's just a band in a room going for it and somebody with a few mics dotted around the room let's just press record and let it run and i love that i love that sound um and I kind of wanted to recreate that sound with Cue the Music, which is really what we are as well. The sound is almost bursting off the stage and it's bursting out of the recording. Um, so I kind of that's kind of my approach to it. And then you've also got to have a lot of um, width in the sound as well. So we've mixed it in a way that it sounds really big and wide and full and fat. Uh, and, and yeah, I mean, all of those things kind of factor in um, to, to that sort of process but i guess in the end as well there's a danger when you because i've heard, you know obviously i've sent a few things to you and you've said oh that's, that's really close and then the odd one you said oh that one maybe isn't as close and you're thinking well what's the goal because actually 
the goal isn't necessarily to make it sound exactly like the original. The goal is to make it a performance that people can watch and enjoy. Now, if somebody watches it and enjoys it because of how close it is to the original, then great, that's a win. But actually, it's more about eliciting an emotion in people but when they watch it. So sometimes when we play something, it's not about playing it exactly like the original. It's about actually connecting with the audience on an emotional level and making mm -hmm. sure they enjoy it. And all of the time, sure. it, it's coming from a point of view of that we're Bond fans and we're playing to Bond fans. And that is the whole mm -hmm. basis of what we do. It's, it's finding that sweet spot that we know that people watching it will appreciate what we do. So it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's an interesting balance because I don't think it's necessarily just because I mean, if you if you try if you're just trying to recreate the original, then kind of what's the point? Just put on the original. But I think with this, it's about keeping the music alive and bringing it to people in a in a passionate way that they can sit and watch these things being performed. And many, many of these cues that we do on these sessions have never been played since they were laid down for the soundtrack in you know back. Some of them fall. That's right. Yeah. So the, the next one we were going to play was uh, uh, actually, we're going to stick with Diamonds Are Forever. And I, I guess it's the uh, theme song. Is this, uh, I can't recall, is this a, a, a instrumental or are we no, no, doing this is the uh, song? With, with... Yeah, this is the only oh, okay. one. Today. Oh, she's terrific. Yeah, this is the only one with a vocalist. And I thought I better include one with Kerry because Cue the Music is, is, is really built around her amazing talent, her amazing voice, and the, the all the cues and stuff are sort of extra that have kind of come on um, in addition to that. But, um, you know, she's an incredible talent. And also Diamonds Are Forever is my favourite Bond song, so I wanted to, to sneak yeah, that. Yeah, it's, it's an amazing song. It really is. It really and it just is just terrific. So let's sit back and enjoy this. This is the uh, the title uh, song from the film Diamonds Are Forever. And again, it's by uh, courtesy of our guest today, Q, the music. Diamonds are forever. They are all I need to please me. They can stimulate and tease me They won't leave in the night I've no fear that they might desert me Diamonds are forever Hold one up and then caress it Touch it, stroke it I'm 
Now, I don't know if people really, I mean, if anybody hasn't seen what you've put out yet, I don't know if they, and I, I, I want to give them an appreciation for what, what it is that you've done. There were a lot of pieces you had to put together, not only, you know, trying to create the sheet music and getting the band together and rehearsing and, you know, running the space, especially during COVID and that sort of thing. You had a lot of, you must have had a lot of video cameras there. I can't even imagine what that was like. Uh, and, and then you have all this video that has to be collected and then edited, which, you know, I, I think you're kind of, a, you're not a one trick pony. You've been doing it all. I think from what I understand, and I, I want to hear about that, but it's amazing all the pieces that had to come together that you did for this. And I was hoping that maybe you would kind of share that a little bit with us of what, what it was you had to do in order to make this thing happen. Because a lot of pieces had to fall into place. It's, it, it's been the hardest work I have ever taken on in my life. And, and anybody, that <laughs> will be one or two on that listening that, that will know that I've got an incredible work ethic and, but yeah, this has pushed me to my absolute limits. I kind of, I've kind of find the analogy of you know, like doing the most incredible Ironman course or something like that. It's that equivalent of endurance over sort of several months. I mean, I reckon to date, I'm about a thousand hours um, that I've put in over the past three or four months. It's it's. It's been 18 hours a day every single day, and I've, I've even got my sleep app on my on my watch, and it tells me that I've averaged around five hours sleep a night for the last three for the last three months. Um, so I am knackered, but it, yeah, it was massive. So I mean, 17 cameras we had recording. So 17, over the my goodness. Four, yeah, eight hours a day. So over the course of the four days, we had 450 hours of video footage. So the total size of the project was 36 terabytes. It was enormous. Um, Now, now, come on, folks. Now, just to put that in perspective, I'm curious. I mean, the World Cup or the Super Bowl wouldn't have 17 cameras covering that, I don't think. I mean, that's insane. Wow. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is that, you know, I I I wanted the camera to be in the right place every time for the right thing being played you know when you're hearing a flute solo you want to see the flute and when you're hearing a trumpet solo you want to see the trumpet and then there's a you you might have a little drum fill well you want to see that you know and and so if you have lots and lots of cameras in fixed places and then you have a few cameramen just picking up little bits of interest you've always got your bases covered and even then there were times when I, i didn't get exactly what i wanted but overall i'm really happy with how it's sort of come out and um you know, I think it, the other thing as well is when you've got when you can cut between lots of cameras, you can really build an emotional performance with the cutting as well as the music. Um, you know, mm-hmm. the video editing is really a process that's a part of that musical performance if it's done right. Uh, so yeah. I really appreciated. Uh, I, I'm sorry to cut you off. I really appreciated how you did that because, again, I'm not a musician. I just I just love the music. That's you know. That's all I've got to offer. But it, how's the? What's the saying? It's like it's. It's interesting to see how the sausage is made. It, it's interesting to see. You know what I'm saying? It's interesting to see how the, you know, the different musicians that have to come together, and and the different instruments that are used to create the sound. That you know, you kind of, you maybe in, you, you kind of knew what it was that was making that sound, but you don't know it until now you see it. And also to appreciate 
the fact, again, as a non-musician, you see all these people coming together and the timing is perfect. And that can't be easy to do to get 20 people or however many it is to do everything perfectly in time. And and the video helps, I think, helps the uh, non-musician like myself really appreciate what it takes to put out a sound like that. Yeah. And I think one of the things that helps with all of that is that we do everything. We always have done everything to click track because I want the tempo mm. to be exactly right. Do you know... You know something, even more than the sound, if the tempo isn't spot on, then that really jars, I think, for the listener. Even if they're not aware of yep. tempos and things, it just doesn't feel right if it hasn't got the right grooves. Like License to Kill is a song where I really discovered that because you can be, and I'm not exaggerating, you can be 1% out in tempo and that whole song just completely changes the vibe of it and it just doesn't have the same... Um, it just doesn't have the same atmosphere. So, and, and it's interesting. It's interesting you say that because I remember the, the the one time I was privileged, and I do mean privileged, to see John Barry in concert conducting uh, at Royal Albert Hall. I think this was 1999. Those concerts. What struck me is I think because the energy was so he was energized, and so was everybody else. They mm-hmm. seemed to play just a hair fast, just a hair fast. Yeah than what the original recordings were. And, I, and, and so, I, I mean, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Oh, that, and that's easy enough to do, you know, because adrenaline is kicking in and people get, you know, they, yeah. get, they, they get faster. But actually as well, we, because we recorded this socially distanced, so we were more spaced out than normal, um, because, we, <laughs> had, because yep. we all had in-ear uh, headphones for monitoring, but also to have the click track, it meant that we all had an anchor point you know, it wasn't like there was that because you can have a wave effect sometimes in a band that size where one side of the band is, is going slightly slower than the other and then it kind of moves across mm. and then you start to catch up and then the other part of the band's then going out. So when you've got that um, click track going on, you know, you, you're, you, you've got that anchor point to, to really latch onto. But also with our in-ear setup, because every single person on stage has complete control over what they're hearing, they have their own little mini mixer, you get an absolutely phenomenal balance of sound that you need for your own personal needs. You know, So if you're playing sax, and, or sorry, let's say you're playing trombone and you need to particularly hear the beat, but also the rest of the brass so that you're your pitch is exactly right and your production is exactly right and the length of notes is exactly right and the the type of attack is exactly right you can achieve that whereas normally it's it's much harder to do that especially when you're spaced out and you know you might be playing one bar where you're playing with it with the second trombone or the third trombone but then the next bar you're playing with the second violin so with our setup you know Mm -hmm. you can dial that in and that plays a really big part into why our um, sound is, is, you know, hopefully um, from what you're saying anyway, and I think hopefully people find it's, it's very tight and together and, and accurate. And that plays a big part in that. Yeah. And for our listeners that maybe aren't familiar, and, and again, I'm going to say this as a neophyte or, you know, someone that doesn't really know what they're talking about. The click track that you're referring to is basically the, I guess, the rhythm of the music that is in the earphones of everybody in the, in the orchestra so that they, they're all timing out at the same time because sometimes you're talking about 90 people that need to be all in tune working at, you know, together at the same time. Is that, was that, is that a good way to explain it? I don't know. I mean, yeah, no, it is. 
it is you know it's the tempo of the song and it's just a repetitive click um that, that everyone plays to you but it's common i mean even there's a recording of um one of the cues miami airport from casino royale soundtrack that, that floating around uh, you know the internet i think it's on youtube um and you can hear they you can hear the click track spilling from the headphones on the yeah. recorded on a mobile <laughs> phone and when they're sort of waiting to start, you can hear the click track going, and so it's, it's a common thing. Um, and I, I, I don't know why we wouldn't we would ever go back to not using it now because it just gives so yeah. much more accuracy um, to it to it when you use that. Yeah, I mean, and again, not being a musician, but I, I started to think about it because I know some of these scores are recorded with like 80, 90 piece orchestras, maybe even larger. If, when, you know, if you really think about it, if you're honest, how do you get 80 to 90 people to be all together, you know, timed just perfectly for three to four minutes or however long it is? I mean, that's that's a monumental task. You need something to help you. And so um, the click track made a lot of sense to me because, I mean, I just think about that. If those of you that are listening that are not musicians but you, you know it, the music works. How does, how do they all stay together? Well, now you got your answer. Click tracks. Well, they, 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 I have to say in balance, that's not always the case at all. I mean, orchestras oh, okay. don't play with, with click tracks um, a lot. I'm saying on the soundtracks, they, they do, especially if you've got to sync it to, you know, programmed other program things. I, I would imagine like Newman okay. scores, for example, would have been almost certainly played with click tracks, but Barry's early scores certainly wouldn't have been. And you would have a conductor um, that, that would, that would keep everything together. But I mean, I wasn't keen to go down that route because you, you with a conductor, you, you are required then to do a lot more rehearsal to get everybody to know what the conductor's going to do. Whereas with ours, you know, it was, it was literally a, a discipline really. It was like, okay, this is the speed we're going to do this at. There's your click, go with that. And then, of course, you know, some of the cues that are more fluid, there's a little bit of movement in there. And, you know, you can we can sometimes we turn the click off and let and just let musicians play naturally. Um, but, you know, the majority of the time, these these cues are quite square in the way that they are played. They're sort of mm. you know, four layers of four bar sections that that Barry writes, then he layers music on top. So actually playing with a click track makes perfect sense in this setting. But I wouldn't say, you know, you wouldn't go to your local concert hall and see an orchestra and expect them to be playing with click track. That just wouldn't happen. But then you, then that, hmm. that's where a lot and lot of rehearsal time comes and a conductor and an orchestra that plays together all the time, that's where that takes over. But that wasn't really... Okay that wasn't really the way that we were going to do it for something like this, because it really was a recording session. Um, you know, we didn't, we didn't need to do it that way. And this way worked a lot better for us. Yeah. The, uh, the next cue that you had uh, shared with me and I, I, I listened to this and I loved it. Just absolutely loved it. This is uh, uh, from the film from Usher with love. It's uh, the cue was called, uh, well, I'm not sure. What, let's see. I think it was called James Bond and, and, and Bongos. With Bongos. James Bond, uh, James Bond with Bongos, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. You're right. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I loved this. Uh, and this really captured the original spirit of the, of the original recording. Uh, just briefly kind of tell us a little bit about that before we play it. Well, this is, this is just one that was just so, so going to happen because I just love this cue. It's my, <laughs> um, my favorite 
track from this uh, from this particular soundtrack from the from Russia Will Love soundtrack mm. is my favourite cue. Uh, I just love it. I, I love the 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 uh, syncopated sort of jazz big band uh, influenced bass line with yeah. the with the offbeat trombones, boom bap, boom bap, boom bap. You know all that stuff that comes on later, <laughs> and then there's a great atmospheric bongo solo and then of course you've got the james bond theme it's got everything as a james bond fan that you could want so um yeah i, I, I love this cue and, and it was just brilliant to play and one of those ones where i said to the to the uh to the congas player so bongo's player i said look you really need to have a listen to the original on this and really get that that character just right because again it's one of those ones that people would hear so many times you know, you can't you can't just go in there and just make it up. It's got to be, you know, it's got to be really capture the essence of the of the original, which yeah. I think he did. And 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 he nailed it. In, in my opinion, he really nailed it. So I mean, people that love this cue, or maybe they haven't heard it before and they're going to hear it now. Uh, trust me, just like it was in the film. Let's let's have a listen to this. This is. Uh, I'm sorry, you you had had the correct uh, name for the cue. It's James Bond. James Bond with bongos, is that right? That's the one. Okay. And it's from the film From Us for Love, and it's played by our band that we're featuring today. Cue the music.
We'll get back to our program in a minute. This program is done for the love of film and film music, plain and simple. However, it does take a huge investment in time and in fees for me to make the program work for you. I don't sell commercial time and don't really want to on this program. Rather, I'm kind of like a, a public broadcasting station. I need support from listeners like you. For as little as $3 a month, you can help me uh, uh, offset the time spent in putting the program together. Or maybe you just think of it as leaving a tip in the tip jar. Either way, if you can join up, uh, there will be bonuses, like an additional 10 to 15 minute segment with our guest every week. Well, we'll play additional cues as well as ask uh, some extra questions. And it's going to be only available to patrons. How do you sign up? Well, it's simple. You go to patreon.com slash what's the score, and that's all one word. That's patreon, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash what's the score. Check it out. We'd be grateful for your support. That's patreon.com. So one little fun fact that I should point out there, Frank, is there's there's two places in the original recording where I think there's mistakes made on the original, and we actually put them into hmm. this form. So I sort of decided whether you know do we correct them or do we go with the original? There's a I'll point them out. I mean, if people want to, they can skip back and listen to it again. There's a there's a little bit where the trombone comes in on his own and goes ba da ba. It just kind of before the main theme kicks in, um, and right. that's on the original, and it it really does. When we played it, it was like I actually stopped and went, "Oh, that was a mistake." But then it was like, "No, no, no, that's that's right." And of course, I just it because you're so used to hearing it on the original, but it's just kind of hidden in there. But when we, when it, we played it, and it sort of stuck out. It was like, "Oh, it really does sound wrong," but huh. we decided to keep that in. And then there's an, also an extra marimba hit on the. Um, uh, where the sort of trombones and marimbas do that um, bombat, bombat, the kind of offbeat bits. On the last one, there's like an extra marimba hit at the end of it. And I think, again, I think it's an error. I don't think it's Barry wrote it. I think it's a, a player error that they just, with the time times that they have with recording these things, I think they just left it in. So, um, huh. so we uh, kept it in our recording as well. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's what I mean about yeah, the minutiae. I- that's what I mean about the minutia of the detail. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Folks, let me tell you something. I, I know Warren a little bit. And yeah, the man is all about detail. Trust me. Um, now, I'm curious that over, I guess, you you know, since we haven't seen Bond 25 yet, otherwise known as No Time to Die. And we do know the title song, but that's all. So with over 24 films you had who knows countless hours of music to look at and decide okay well i'm going to pick this but i'm not going to pick that so i'm really curious how did how did you decide 
what cues you, I mean, for this monumental project, because, I mean, this is huge. How did you decide which cues that you were going to go ahead and record? Oh, that's such a great question that is <laughs> such a long answer to it. You know, there's, there's so many, it's such a multifaceted answer. There's such a combination. So it's things that I think people want to hear, things that I want to do, things that will work well within the Cue the Music lineup. Um, what are the most iconic cues? Um, what are cues that people don't get to hear live? So, for example, you know, there's a lot of David Arnold cues that I just don't think that we could really pull off with our numbers. Uh, and also they are really mm. difficult to play. But also I kind of feel like, for example, people have asked me about things like White Knight and Come In 007, Your Time's Up and Ice Bandits and things like that from the David Arnold mm -hmm. era, which are tracks I love. I absolutely love them. But I also feel like, you know what, you can go and see David Arnold play those. You know, he's, he's, his concerts often have those sorts of things in like Vesper and um, uh, Venice, you know, the, the music from Venice, the names slip my mind mm -hmm. for a second. But the, the um, all of those cues, you can go and see these massive orchestras with David Arnold usually somewhere in the wings or playing guitar. And, you know, you think, we don't need to do that. That's not you can go and see that that stuff but these barbecues that we're doing and things like from Eyes only and live and let die and spy you love me and backseat driver we do these are things that aren't being performed and these are things that that i like to bring to the bond community and the barry community because you know this is this is a passion project really it's a fan project it's not profit driven there's no profit in the music you know this is it, it it's driven by me as a Bond fan. It's it's my it's like a hobby that is a full time job, really. But I mean, I have a full time job as well. It's just that effectively I do two. <laughs> but you know, yeah, yeah. It's, it's about taking music to the Bond community that that I want that I know they want to hear that, and also that that I know that we can do a good job with. Um, so yeah, that's a long winded answer, but. It, it's not a short answer. It's literally so many different things kind of combined into one. And we end up doing so many cues. But, I mean, I was listening to the soundtrack to Octopussy today, and we didn't actually record anything from Octopussy. You know? And partly because it's such an orchestral um, soundtrack, that one. It's, you know, quite a big mm -hmm. orchestra with lots of string, uh, lots of cues, a beautiful string writing for All Time High, which, you know, we don't have a massive sweeping string section. But... You know, there's so many cues that we could have done and I'd love to do, but I'm pretty confident that we picked the right ones to to really um, hit the mark with people watching it. You know, I think that all the ones that we did, we've managed to to pull off really well or just about get away with. <laughs> no, get away with is yeah, 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 that's a That's a, a really good point. One other thing that I wanted to point out uh, to our listeners is that we're not talking about a huge orchestra here. I, I don't know what the actual numbers are. I'm sure Warren will be happy to share it with us. But for a, a relatively small group, let me tell you something, folks. <clears throat> they put out the sound pretty doggone good. And, I mean, it's 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 cheapers. I mean, you know, what, Barry and all the others, I mean, I'm sure they have like 70, 80, 90-piece orchestras or something like that. That's not what this is. However, I will say, that with the limited numbers that Warren had, it's amazing how close they put out the sound that those large orchestras did. 
So, uh, you, you know, you'll, you'll still feel the power of it. It's, uh, you know, it's a real credit to you guys and your, and your, and the members of the band. Well, so the numbers are 21 uh, on this recording, but the thing about okay. it is the reason that it sounds like it does, it, it's, it's again, a couple of factors that they're all com combined. One, there's no wastage in cue music. There's no, there's no passengers in cue music. Everybody, um, brings something special to the party and some of the instrumentalists actually are multi-instrumentalists you know um my keyboard player is often working two three sometimes even four sounds at once my percussion player yeah, he's amazing yeah yeah and we've got two keyboards so you know because the way that the keyboards are made now they can split the keyboards to do different things at the same time, different sounds at the same times. And, you know, the, the money amazing. that they've invested in those sounds means that you can almost have anything, clarinets, bassoons, extra strings, you know, extra synths, and even the synth sounds, you know, all those Moog sounds from Majesties, and they sound so accurate now. They just sound... You mm. really can't tell the difference when you A-B the sound. You just can't tell the difference. Yeah, it's amazing. That's that's kind of the, the a big factor, but also every single person in the band gives of everything of themselves. And and I, you know, I always say to everybody when you come and play with us, you know, it's it's all guns blazing, one hundred percent go all the way, all the time. And I mean, it was mm -hmm. funny actually because the one one of the people on this session who hadn't played with us before was the bass trombone player. He was like a top West End bass trombone player. I think he was. Lay Miz or something like that and so he came in and and the, the other trombone players were saying to him you know he was kind of wondering about how to approach it and they were saying oh it's just flat out all the way and he's like no 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 talk, you can't be serious like he's like no literally it's afterburners on you know <laughs> full volume split the split the bell open all the way through and he, and he just sort of just didn't believe them and we're about two or three cues in and I turned around to him and I said, I can have more bass trombone. He's like, really? I'm already going flat out. I said, well, give me more. And he's, you know, he just think you believe it. But that's the thing. It's like, you know, I want everyone always has to give everything all the time, you know, and that doesn't mean say it's just all loud and brash. I mean, you know, because you've heard it, it's not. And hopefully people already hearing the things they've heard today know that we can play quietly as well. But there's just that sizzle. And I, that's something I talk about with cue the music. That yep. It's finding the sizzle in the sound. And I find with musicians in the industry that, you know, I'm probably going to hang myself out to dry here, but 75, 80% of the musicians that I've, that I've met or work with in the industry coast through and they get to a point where they can play without actually really having to put in much effort. And you, when mm. you turn that up another notch, you just get a different sound and different energy and that's why I think my, um, I say gift, but it's my responsibility in cue the music is to find those people that are willing to give that bit. And so, do you know what? We've had people in that just can't do it or won't do it. You know, they, they, they find it almost, they're so programmed over the years to play within themselves that they find it hard to, to bring out that extrovert over-the-top sound. And when you listen to these Bond scores, the originals, you know, these guys are not taking it easy. They are bleeding for the cause. You know, Derek Watkins on the lead trumpet, those trombone sounds, those mm -hmm. strings, they're playing so high and so fast in some of the some of the pieces that, you know, 
they are absolutely on the limit of their ability. And that's where I want my band to be all the time. And that's why you get the sound that you do. Yeah. This next cue that I wanted to play is a, is a little bit unusual for what people would think of as James Bond music, but I actually, I rather like it. Uh, we're talking about a cue that comes from Live and Let Die, and it's uh, it's called Filet of Soul, which was uh, something that was, you know, kind of really interesting and different. Uh, written, I, I think it, uh, yeah, it was written by, uh, uh, why am George I drawing Martin. a blank right now? George, George Martin, yeah. yeah. Um, tell us a little bit, because, I mean, this is a whole different kind of a vibe and in, in, uh sound of what you typically will see in a movie but it but i tell you you guys captured it it was great yeah well again i wanted to show a little bit of variety on on today's show but because the mm-hmm. across all the 12 concerts there's an incredible amount of variety you know we do sounds all the way through from things like backseat driver from tomorrow never dies and few eyes only cues and, and and this one you know this is where this era where it's the first non-barry composer we get and you know, George Martin did a good mm. job of taking the Bond sound, but then injecting that local New Orleans sort of funk soul uh, scene that was happening at the time, which of course was very relevant for the movie. And this particular yeah. piece is um, actually really it's source music because it's music that's used in that Philly of Soul uh, bar scene. And actually, the the cue from the soundtrack, the cue that we play in this next clip is the full version from the soundtrack. But actually, you only really get a little bit of it in the film. You get the middle section um, with, with the singer. Uh, is that her name? B.J. Arno, I think. That, that memory serves me well. Um, who sings that song in, in the bar scene when Roger Moore disappears into the floor. Yeah. But you guys really captured it really well. And uh, I think our audience will enjoy it. This is, a, uh, this is from Live and Let Die. The cue is called Filet of Soul.
You know, with all this stuff that's going on with uh, COVID that has affected literally everybody worldwide, one of the things that's happened has been the, the, the lack of being able to enjoy live entertainment, live performances in, in theaters, whether it be, you know, bands or plays or whatever. And it's it's interesting how you when, when when you don't have the arts, all of a sudden you start to discover, oh geez, I really miss that. You you kind of take it for granted that it's there, and when it's not, it's it, it leaves a real void in in society. I, and, and and I applaud you for doing what you're doing, trying to fill that void. But I'm I am kind of interested in hearing what your concerns might be, or what you your predictions might be about the state of life performances and theaters looking forward. God, it's a really deep one, this one. Um, and it's, <laughs> it's Sorry. Hard, yeah. It's hard to really know when you're talking on these sorts of things where to pitch it because, you know, if you, if you, if you just lay everything out, you know, at really how you're feeling, there's a danger that you can just, you know, become a bit of a bore on these things. And also there's so many other industries that are affected badly at the moment. It's not just ours, you know, the aviation industry is really struggling and obviously the tourist industry, mm. the, the hospitality industry is really struggling. Um, the, you know, obviously retail is in a terrible situation. My wife works in retail and she's lucky she's kept her job at the moment, but so many people losing their jobs. But the, the thing is, this is in a way, this is coming at, a time where it's kind of been coming for such a long time. And it's the fact that I don't think people understand enough about what it takes to be an entertainer because there's, the, there's always been a perception and I'm maybe aiming at the wrong people that are listening to this show because anyone listening to this show is enough of a, a of a, a music, you know, lover to be listening to a, a 
podcast all about um, scores and the fantastic job that you do, Frank. I love your podcast. And I know that you have a very loyal following. So the type of people that are listening to this are not the type of people that this is aimed at. But I think the general person on the street thinks of a musician as someone that just does it because they love it. And they, they think that that applies to anyone that from that plays for an hour a week at home that tinkles a few tunes on the piano because genuinely that's what they're doing to just to, for a bit of fun to the person who plays on at the pub on a Saturday, um, you know, just, just vocal and acoustic guitar for, for beer money, because again, that's what they do to enjoy up to the person who plays at a wedding with a 10 piece band or a, or a corporate event where they stand on stage and, and all that. And it's something that I've experienced every single day for my entire my entire career and life is that mm. you know, people expect musicians and music to be free or to be cheaper than, than it realistically has to be. And there's at times in the industry, there's been almost a race to the bottom in that people are so desperate to get work that they'll take whatever they can and they'll do it for the money that's offered, even though it doesn't make financial sense to do it. And therefore, the the appreciation mm. of what the value is gets worse because people, you know, know they can get a, a ten piece band for a cheaper amount than you know someone who's trying to do it properly. So, the general appreciation of the public of what it takes to be a musician, the costs involved, has got worse and worse over the years to the point that when this happened, now there's no appreciation of actually how an entertainer and how a musician, for example, earns their money. And it's a really, really hard profession to make any money from. It really is. It's, you know, if you take a, say yeah. you take a wedding on a Saturday and you say to someone that they're earning, say they're earning £200 or $200, and that sounds like a lot of money, but actually when you factor in that they've got to get in a car, probably drive 50 miles to maybe more to, to do a wedding, they've got to arrive and set up. Sometimes if it's a band, you're going to have to be set up for two, three o'clock in the afternoon, hang around till nine o'clock, play two sets, finish at 12, pack down, drive home. You're probably <laughs> going to get in two or three o'clock in the morning. You've got to provide all the equipment. You've got to get it insured. You've got to get it pat tested. You've got to practice to make sure that, you know, you can play well. You've got to learn new songs. All for 200 quid. I mean, yeah, it's, like, it's just not to make sense. So there's so many costs involved. And then, you know, this, the, all the, so I'm, I'm going off on a real tangent, but it's important that I think that's all played a part into why now there is an, un, uh, um, there is no understanding of where musicians sort of fit into the, into the scheme of things. And in our country, in the UK, they've really just been just completely cut adrift by the government completely. You know, they fall into a category where most musicians are self-employed. They, um, haven't fallen into any sort of self-employment help. They're not getting furlough. They're not able to work. They're the last industry that's going to open because ultimately any person that's playing um, music is going to be playing to a crowd. And we know that people can't be in a crowded place. And if you're in a theatre show, for example, I mean, the theatre show that I run, Cue the Music, we've nearly, we've barely made a profit on any theatre show we've ever done 
you know, as I said earlier, Q the music is a fan driven thing. It's not a, a business really. It's run as a business, but it's not run as a profitable business. But even to break even, you know, we need to be selling four or 500 seats in a theatre. And some of these theatres with social distance are talking about opening with 250 seats. So it's not viable. Mm. You know, you can't open. And and then be, and then the venues just say, oh, well, you know, can your, can your musicians not, you know, work for less money, you know, work for half the money? But then you know, you're saying to musicians that are now working in Asda or something or, or test or, you know, supermarket, and saying to them, well, actually, can you take the night off of your work, come and earn less, pay for your fuel, pay for your insurance, you know, all of that stuff, and come out and do this. And it, right. it just doesn't make any sense to do that. So I fear, no. I really, really fear for the future of, of music in our country in particular. And I don't know what the answer is. I know that I won't be putting my yeah. show in a theatre until things start to return to normal. Because the other... The other part of the problem is, is that people are so desperate to get back out and working, but also get back out and playing because it ultimately we, we do what we do to, to earn a living, but we, but a fantastic benefit of that is that we love doing what we do. So there's two reasons that people are desperate to get out one, because they love doing it and two, because they just want to earn money. But ultimately, nobody wants to go out and lose money. And I fear for the people that are just trying to force square pegs in round holes with social distance gigs and outdoor festivals. Right, not at the moment, but in the summer, an outdoor festival in the UK is just a disaster waiting to happen because you know you've got a good mm. chance of it raining, and then it all goes to pot. Well, it's difficult. Very, yeah, very difficult. to my to my list. I guess to my listeners, my my message and 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 Warren's message is simply this: that um, look, you know, we 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 know many people are suffering. Uh, many people don't have uh, you know enough money to put food on the table, and those sorts of things, and 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 we certainly respect that and understand it. Of course, some of us are fortunate. We've we've got we've got our regular jobs. We've been able to work from home or whatever the situation is. And so in the situation of musicians, um, particularly in the case of cue the music, if, if, and only if, if you're able financially, if you're able to, to, uh, buy these concerts, either one, one at a time or for a season pass. And we're going to get into that towards the end of the program. But if you can, it's not, it's not just about, uh, it's not just about Warren. It's not just about the, the, the band per se. You're helping to support a lot of people, probably 20 plus people, uh, giving them an opportunity to continue to make a living and support their families. And so if, if and only if, if you, if, if you can do that, please consider it, really. Because you're Trust me, you're going to get your money's worth. These guys are incredible. So well, I, I hope you consider that. And uh, uh, in, when you make your decisions, and like I said, towards the end of the program, we'll, we'll get into the details of how to access these programs. Well, um, thank, thank you, Frank. And I, I have to add to that as well. With Q the Music, it's not even, you know, the musicians get paid, but but ultimately it's a fan-led project. And so all I want to yeah, do... Yeah, you guys is, are a family, aren't you? Yeah. yeah. It's about paying for the costs of 
the project. You know, it, it can't lose money. Um, so really, the costs, the the ticket cost is only to pay for the project. It's not to even pay for my living because I have a job as well as a musician and as a as you know, a, I run social media for an organisation that that musical organisation. So this is not something that is. It's driven with profit in mind. It's just driven with, um, it's bringing Bond music to Bond. Passion and love. Yeah. Yeah. Passion and love. Which, which leads us to our, uh, to the next cue. Uh, we've, you know, we've played a couple of Barry things and then we played something by George Martin. I think it's only fair that we play something by David Arnold, who I think is, uh, uh, took the mantle of, uh, writing for the Bond films over, he was, he was good. He was good. I'd, I'd love to have him back, but you know, we'll have to wait and see how that goes. But the, the cue that you chose, I thought was really uh, interesting to share with the audience. And, and I happen to love it. And I think you guys nailed it. And if I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong, if I'm not mistaken, it's from die another day. Is, is that right? Yeah. Welcome to Cuba. It is. Welcome to Cuba. Yeah. And, and so, so yeah. T- tell us about this. Cause I mean, you guys really nailed it. It's great. <laughs> Well, this is actually, so there's a scene in Die Another Day when Bond arrives in Cuba, obviously, I mean, it's called Welcome to Cuba. Um, And it's a a lovely kind of local um, sort of influenced track, very much like the days of Barry, where he used to do that a lot, you know, the local music influencing the soundtrack. Um, And actually, the version that we do is the alternate take from the expanded soundtrack. So it's sort of like an extended version. I mean, that's how that's how deep our geekiness goes, guys. We don't just play the originals from the soundtrack. <laughs> we play from the extended soundtrack as well. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a really, really fun two and a half minutes with some fantastic um, transcriptions of the original solos played brilliantly by the guys in, in the band. And, yeah, it's called Welcome to Q. Excellent. Yeah, let's uh, let's have a listen to this. This is from Die Another Day, written by David Arnold, and the cue is called "Welcome to Cuba," and it's played by our guest Warren Ringham. And cue the music.
you and I know each other pretty well. And my audience also knows me pretty well to know that I'm, I, I admit it, I'm biased. I'm biased towards John Barry. Hmm. Not only in terms of James Bond, but just, just general in terms of film music. So, I mean, I, I think it's pretty safe to say that he had set the mood and kind of the sound of what, what James Bond was about. And I'm curious from your perspective, from your perspective, who do you think has been the best at, who's been the best at uh, capturing, I guess, that mood and sound, but but at the same time still adding, you know, their own flavor to it, if that question makes sense. Yeah. I mean, wow, that's a, I mean, I, I think you have to give that award to David Arnold because he's done it repeatedly. I think there's been some really mm. great contributions to the Bond canon in terms of composers. And the one and dones, um, some of those are brilliant. I mean, I, I really like some of the cues from Marvin Hamlish. I think he's wrote some brilliant music, but it's a it's a funny score because it's quite quite bitty and also quite short, really. Um, but there's some great stuff yeah. in there. I'm a really big fan of the Fiori's only Bill Conti score, although it's very dated. It, I, I quite like that that cheese, that eighty sort of sort of cheese. I quite enjoy it. Um, huge <laughs> fan of George Martin's Live and Let Die score. I think that's a brilliant, brilliant score. But you know, and and some of the others are solid contributions. There's some maybe you know Eric Serra's, maybe not one of my favourites, but there's some amazing. Mm. Amazing David Arnold ones. Um, and I think he really has taken the sound on from Barry and, and given his own twist to it, but, you know, really kept the essence of what Barry's Bond sound was. Um, you know, the, the melodic writing, the, the, you know, the, the accompanying of a, a character or a scene with a particular melody that can be brought in throughout the film. And also actually... He's one of the few people that really does weave the song through the score um, when he has the opportunity to do it, like he did mm. it in Tomorrow Never Dies. Well, right, we did it with Surrender, to be fair. Um, you get well, right. um, you know, you know, my name is threaded in a little bit into the Casino Royale score. So when he's given the opportunity mm -hmm. to do that, he really carries that trait on as well. And I and I miss that a lot of times in, in yeah. some of the films that I always loved. The, the use of the of the main title theme, you know, it, it could be, depending on the arrangement, could become a love theme, could become an action theme, could become just, you know, whoever, whatever. Uh, I, I kind of missed that. But anyway, I, I was curious about your opinion on that, and I, and, and I appreciate that. The, um, the last cue I wanted to play, which, uh, oh, wow, I really enjoyed this. I thought you guys, again, nailed it. Uh, is is a medley from uh, Living Daylights. Tell us a little bit about uh, about putting that all together and uh, and what went into that. Well, this is one of my arrangements that, that, that goes back a few years. We first did this in the West End of in London, I think. I think it was the first time we played it. Hmm. Um, and so when we came to sort of picking music to do on this uh, on this recording, I really wanted to do that because we didn't actually get a recording when we did it in the West End. The the recording failed, can you believe it? I think it got the first two bars, <laughs> the first number of the concert, and then the computer just crashed under the amount of uh, information. Oh, it tried to get. 
So uh, that was really, I was just absolutely gutted we didn't get the recording of that. So yeah, taking the opportunity to redo it on this was was a was a really kind of um, you know something I really wanted to do. And again, it's, it's a brilliant soundtrack, Living Daylights. There's some beautiful music written by John Barry, and you know he really went out writing just as well as when he started. You know, different people have different opinions mm. on what his what their favourite scores are, but the Living Daylight score has got some beautiful uh, writing in it. And so we're going to hear a bit of Cara meets Bond with some luscious, beautiful flute playing from our flautist Katie Bicknell, who was on trial mm-hmm. with the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra when uh, all of this um, unfortunately happened. So that's a real, real kick mm-hmm. in the teeth for her because she was obviously going for that job um and then it goes into hercules takeoff which is just a really fantastic um track by barry really exciting um and i'm yeah i must say i'm super pleased with how these two came out and i just finished uh the mix on these a day or two ago and when we were sort of lining up what tracks to play i thought wow i really want to include these two cues Excellent. Well, let's have a let's have a listen to this. This is your uh, some parts of the score from Living Daylights, is a melody written and arranged by Warren Ringham, and we'll uh, we'll sit back, relax, and enjoy some really fabulous music from this film written by John Barry.
Okay, enough about how great these concerts are. And by the way, they are. Um, they're terrific. Folks, I mean, for those of you that are listening, if you like, first of all, if you like James Bond music, this is a no-brainer. Please, you need to look into this. Second of all, if you're a film music fan, it's just a shy bit shade, uh, short of a no-brainer. You really should look into this. So, Warren, tell us, how can how can people get these uh, these concerts that are available either, you know, one at a time, so to speak, or, or the so-called season pass? Explain that to us. Yeah, so the first, there's two, at the moment, there's two seasons coming out. We're in, we're currently midway through first, the first season. The first three concerts of the six are out. Um, and probably by the time this drops, actually, we'll be um, yeah, probably having the fourth one out, which of course you're presenting with me. Um, yes, I'm very, Oops. very lucky to have. <laughs> to have uh, Frank come and grace us with a guest presenter. Um, and yet, so I'm the, honored. I really am. Yeah. So you, you're, so your listeners can either purchase one concert or they can get a season pass, as you say, all six concerts, obviously at a discounted rate. Um, and what, what you do is you head to our website, which is cuethemusicshow.com and it's forward slash the lockdown sessions. Well, if you can't remember all of that, just go to cuethemusicshow.com and, and go on, see the show and you'll, you'll, um, You'll see the link there. And then you fill out a little form and then I'll send you details of how you can watch it and how you how you purchase tickets and how you can watch it. But it's got all the details on there. It tells you all the programs for the concerts, when they're released, who's presenting them. And each one of these concerts is um, at least sort of, a, well, they're all around about an hour in length. Some are a bit more, some are just under, but they've got, they've got a whole massive low, uh, amount of content within them. They've got presentation, there's some uh, really fun discussion and there's obviously lots and lots of live music performed within them as well. Yeah. And, and look, I, I can't emphasize enough that it, it's, um, goodness. I, again, if you're a fan of this music, you're obviously going to enjoy it just because you hear the music. But if you're someone like me that maybe you love the music, but you don't really understand it or you, you don't, you don't really know what goes into making it you'll be fascinated by this because this really does a nice job of, of, of helping you understand just the, the amount of effort and time and people that it takes to create this sound. And they guys, the, this band, it does a fabulous job of recreating the original sound of, of all the soundtracks. And uh, so I, and I, and I just thought this was a really creative idea by Warren and I, I just wanted to applaud him for it. And so I was delighted he was able to come on the program and talk about it. So I want to encourage all my listeners, please, if you have an opportunity, visit cuethemusic.com. Cue check out show. these performances. The and, and, oh, excuse me. Cue the music show. I knew he'd correct me if I was wrong. <laughs> Cue the music show.com and, 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 and check them out, folks. This is just, it's, just, it's so much fun especially given where we are right now with uh, with life and COVID and all these sorts of things, it would you know, it'd be kind of nice to have a little something fun to look forward to. So check this out and give it a, give it a consideration. Uh, Warren, look, I can't, I can't thank you enough for, uh, for joining us today and kind of sharing some of this with us. Uh, I've, I've had a great time. I hope you have. 
Oh, I really have. It's always good to chat to you, Frank. And thank you so much for, for having me on your fantastic show. I'm a, I'm a big fan, regular listener. I've had some amazing guests and I've learned so much more actually listening. I mean, I think of myself as a film music buff, but, you know, there's always lovely cues that I've maybe not picked up or heard uh, before. So, you know, keep up doing what you're doing and to anyone listening please keep supporting frank because it's it's great having somebody out there carrying the torch for film scores we need it oh god yeah you're making me blush thank you word I, I appreciate it very much and it's a uh, kind of like you it's a it's a it's a job that's you know passionate that uh, that i have a lot of passion for it so i enjoy doing it Listen again, my thanks to, to Warren and Cue the Music for sharing all these cues today. I, I want to encourage you again to uh, check out these concerts and give them a shot. Uh, I think you'll enjoy them and you won't regret uh, ordering any of these concerts or a season uh, pass. Uh, that's going to about do it for us today. Uh, there's only one thing left to say, and that's simply this. My name is Frank R. Wilson. My time's up. I thank you for yours. Thank you for listening to What's the Score?